Let's get our Bibles open this morning to Luke chapter number 5 as we continue in our study in the gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter number 5 this morning. And thank you so much for being here. Um, and uh, I got a text from a buddy of mine this morning. They had a tornado near their church. And uh, there's a uh, one of those, what do you call it, where they got a bunch of animals in it, safaris. And there's a tiger loose next door to his church right now. So I said, it could, things could be worse this morning, okay? I don't know if that's awesome or not, but that would be pretty cool. So they're, they're all out there looking for that tiger right now. But anyhow, Luke chapter number 5. And let's look. I told him this morning, I said, sometime I might need to let a tiger loose in here this morning. Wake us up a little bit. Luke chapter number 5. Look at verse number 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, and Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop, and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go to thy house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Verse 26, And they were all amazed and glorified God, and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. Lord, I thank you for our church. God, I thank you that you are a haven of rest for us. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful music already this morning. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Lord, I thank you for your provision. Lord, I do pray this morning as we teach and preach your word. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, Father, we come today, God, not to hear from a man, but Lord, we need to hear from you. And God, I pray that we would. Father, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would draw them unto yourself. And Lord, maybe somebody that's away from you, God, may they see that your way is the best way. Lord, bless everything that's said and done in this place today. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Verse number 16, leading up to our text, Jesus had gone into the wilderness uh, to pray. He had just finished uh, really doing some more healing. If you remember with us two weeks ago, he had touched that leper and saw that man healed. He's been doing ministry throughout the region. Uh, his custom was so often to uh, do ministry, and then he would depart and pray, then he'd go back and do ministry. Here we find him once again. Um, he's sitting down and he's teaching. He, he's not even up preaching at them. He's literally in a house. And he's teaching. And the place is packed out. Uh, you can't get in. And many, the multitudes are coming to find this man that's uh, healing people, that's touching people, that's forgiving sins. Look at verse number 17 of our text, if you will. Verse number 17 says this, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, 
that there were, and I want you to notice there's two groups of people here that show up on the scene, that show up all through the New Testament. There's Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So Jesus, once again here, is teaching. And the Pharisees and the doctors of the law have literally traveled from other towns to see what he's doing. The word Pharisee, they literally mean separated ones. They were religious zealots, and this is what they were. They were focused on the outside appearance and action. They held themselves as the standard of spirituality, believing that everyone else should do as they do, Look as they look. And God only approved of those that followed the example of the Pharisees. They would, if, if you, I, they're mentioned 89 times in the Gospels. They were literally the arch enemy of Jesus. Just because people are religious doesn't mean they're for Jesus. That, these were some of the most religious, quote-unquote, people of the day. Man, they would have followed the law to the letter. Man, they would have been the spiritual in the eyes of many. But they were Jesus' enemies, okay? And you know what they're doing here in this text? They're doing what Pharisees do. Man, they are sitting, watching, and criticizing. Typically, Pharisees, they may know a lot about the Scriptures, a lot about the Bible, but they're, they're typically not in there getting their hands dirty and serving. They're, they're watching for somebody to mess up. Man, they're looking for faults in other people. And that's exactly the scene here. Man, they're trying to catch Jesus. Man, so you have the Pharisees. And doctors of the law were literally lawyers. So that can tell you uh, about the Pharisees. They're hanging out with the lawyers. Somebody help me. Okay? Two people you don't trust. People that act really religious and lawyers, okay? <laughs> if you're a lawyer, I apologize this morning. But that's what they're doing. They're trying to catch Jesus. Man, they're trying to figure. They, 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 they sat by, and, and listen, they were watching. They're critical. Man, but here's the thing. The end of the verse is this. Jesus' healing power, man, it's evident. He was doing some things that had never been seen before. He was different than any other rabbi. He was different than any other teacher. He was different than any other man that had ever lived. And he's in this house. And it's literally packed, man. There's no room. Look at verse number 18. Verse number 18. Behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in. And to lay him before him. So some men show up with their friend. And he's paralyzed. That's what Paul's is. He's literally paralyzed. So he's either laying on some sort of mat or some sort of couch. And you got to picture this. I think sometimes we read right past this stuff. Man, these dudes are literally carrying this guy. This would not be an easy task. I don't know, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried to carry a buddy. Dead weight. Man, that, this, isn't an easy, this isn't an easy scene here. Even if there's four of them, and they're literally carrying their friend that can't walk. They're carrying their paralyzed friend. They're trying to get him, verse number 18, they're trying to get him to Jesus because here's the thing. They knew that Jesus had been healing people, and Jesus could help their friend. So they, man, they, they, they had heard, no doubt, heard about Jesus and what he's doing. And, man, they wanted to see their friend get some help. So they, they go, uh, some translations will say that he's on some sort of couch. They'll grab that couch or grab that mat. And they're literally taking their friend to where, are y'all getting this? To where Jesus was. Jesus didn't go to this man. 
This man had to get to Jesus. Their friends would be the one who would bring them there. They were concerned about the well-being of their friend. Look at verse number 19, so let's see what happens. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, look at this, because of the multitude. So they get him there. Man, they had no doubt been excited, and he was probably already anticipating. You know, I can imagine this man. We don't know how long he's been paralyzed. But man, even a little glimmer of hope that he may be able to walk again and he may be able to live a normal life again probably meant probably some excitement. But they show up there and the place is packed. They can't get in the door. Man, there's no room for them. I can imagine them getting up to the door and maybe even pressing through some of the crowd and getting there and it's like, yo, dude, there's a line in here. You ain't getting in. Man, you're not getting in. There's so many people here wanting help. Look at verse number 19. And when they could not find but what way they might bring in him because of the multitude. So what are they going to do? Man, they can't get in. I can imagine going to that front door. Maybe they went around to the side and went to a window and tapped on that window. And it had been a lot easier maybe to push them through that window. But they get there, and, man, they couldn't get in the window. And I could picture them maybe going around the house and, man, trying to get them in to get to that back door so they could get them to Jesus. And it's full there, and, you know, nobody's letting him in. You know, you would think that people might say, hey, come on in. But here's the thing. Everybody else probably wanted some healing. Everybody else probably wanted to get close to see this thing that Jesus is doing. So they got to figure something out here. Now, houses at this time, many times would have some sort of stairs that would lead to the roof, and on that roof there would be some sort of balcony area, and so they decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take this man to the roof. Look at it. And when they could not, verse 19, find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop. Look what they did. And they let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now picture these men. Man, they're taking their lame man up these stairs, and they get on this roof. I can just imagine. These are like, these are some rednecks. This is some ingenuity here. Man, what are we going to do? Man, let's cut a hole in the roof, right? Y'all watch this. I can imagine them saying that right there. Y'all watch this, all right? They get up there, and man... They, so the roofs typically would have some sort of tile on them, and then even there would be some beams and some dirt and some maybe even some type of chaff under there to kind of for insulation. Man, they pull those tiles up. Man, they begin to clear out a space. I don't know if they had to go looking for some rope. I don't know what they had to do, but here's what ends up happening. They put a hole in that roof, and they lower their friend through that roof. And could you imagine? I'd be scared if I was going to drop him. I'm sure they're holding on tight. I mean, he's already paired. Paralyzed, and now we're lowering them through a roof, and they get them down, and that couch goes in front of Jesus. Man, can you imagine this? Man, here, here's the thing here as I was reading this. Man, they truly believed that Jesus could make a difference. Man, they went through a lot of trouble. First of all, to travel there, man, to carry this man, to go to the front door, to go to the back door, to carry him up these steps, man, to cut a hole in somebody's roof. By the way, if it's my roof and it's my house, somebody help me. Who are these jokers? You know? What is this? Man, these guys are cutting a hole in my roof. They lower him down right in front of Jesus. They knew, y'all listen, at the feet of Jesus, some things can change. They knew that Jesus was the only hope that their friend had. Look at verse number 20. So he's in front of Jesus. 
And notice this phrase. This is an interesting phrase. And when they saw, what's that next word? Is anybody awakened? Y'all got to help me this morning. It, whose faith did they see? Didn't you see the man's faith? They saw their faith. He said unto them, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. So I wonder if there was disappointment here. <laughs> man, yeah, Jesus, I'm glad you can forgive my sins, but I want to walk. Somebody help me. Man, so Jesus says, man, I saw their faith, and my sins are forgiven. Here's what's interesting about this, and this is what I love about this. He doesn't heal him first. He forgives him first. Let me just say this. His greatest need wasn't physical. His greatest need was spiritual. His greatest need wasn't temporary. His greatest need was eternal. You know, I find so often in American Christianity, we're looking for that temporary blessing. We're looking for that temporary healing. When our, the greatest healing that we need isn't something that's temporary. You know what it is? It's something that is eternal. Look at verse number 21. These jokers show back up. And the scribes and the Pharisees, this is what scribes and Pharisees begin to do. They're never doing anything. They're just talking about what everybody else is doing. Look at it. Began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins? But God alone. Scribes and Pharisees. Oh, Jesus, you can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he saw right through them, didn't he? He could literally see what was in their heart. He could literally see what was in their mind. He knew what they were thinking. He answered them. And look what he says to them. What reason ye in your hearts? He says, I can see what's going on inside of you. Man, I know the real you. Man, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're talking about. Look at verse number 23. Whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. But that thou mayest know us that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And he, then he said to the sick of the palsy at this moment, he says, arise up and take up thy couch and go unto thy house. So he, he heals the man first spiritually, and now he heals the man physically. And, and something we've got to understand, the purpose of Jesus' healing, and this is where we miss it so often, the purpose of Jesus' healing isn't healing. It was, to, it was to prove that he was deity. It was to reveal. It wasn't to heal. It was to reveal that he was who he said he was, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. Okay? It's, not, it's never about the healing. It's about the glory of God. Somebody help me. By the way, as a side note, these jokers that run around and are touching people and healing people, and it's all about them, that, God's nowhere near that. We've got to be careful with that. Because, listen... Any person that's looking to put glory on themselves and not pulling it to God, listen, that is not the work of the Spirit. That is not the work of the Lord. Maybe put it this way, never trust a faith healer that's wearing glasses. Somebody help me this morning. Man, the, the purpose of the healing wasn't the healing. Man, the purpose of the healing was the glory of God and the revelation of who Jesus is. Look at verse number 23. Whether is it easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk? But that, that, that ye may know, this is it, this is what he's trying to tell them. That the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. I say unto thee, arise up and take up thy couch and go to thy house. And look what happens. Because this is what happens when Jesus speaks. This is what happens when friends take other friends to Jesus. And immediately he rose up before them 
and took up that whereon he lay and departed in his own house. And look what he did. Glorifying who? God. And they were all amazed. And what did they do? They glorified God. And they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen some strange things today. What an awesome story, y'all. I mean, here it is. These dudes, man, this paralyzed man with this huge problem. Man, his friends care enough about him to get him to Jesus, knowing that at the feet of Jesus, man, there's some help. Knowing that at the feet of Jesus, some things can change in your life. Man, there's three things that I notice from this text that I just want to give us to think about this morning, about this story. And I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for this story. I'm thankful for the scriptures. I'm thankful that there's reminders. But three things that we can take away this morning that I hope can challenge us. The first one I want you to notice about this men, these men, and I hope that you're this way. They cared about the condition of their friend. They cared about the condition of their friend. Maybe put it this way. Man, is John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Man, they had a friend that had a physical need and had a spiritual need. And they cared enough about him to what? To go get him. To say, hey. There's one here in town that can help you. Hey, there's one here in town, listen, that can make a difference in your life. I think of those words of Paul in Philippians chapter number 2. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It doesn't stop there. Listen to what it says. It goes right into this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, listen, but made of himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. And this is important, and this is what we got to think about here. That at the name of Jesus, listen, Every, every knee will bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the, listen, can I just tell you all something? I want to remind you about this. Every knee at some day is going to bow before God. Everyone. You ever heard somebody say, we need to make Jesus Lord, or we need to make God Lord? I got some news for you. He's Lord whether you make him Lord or not. You understand that? He's Lord. He's on the throne. You don't make him anything. You're going to bow. I'm going to bow. So here's the thing. When it comes spiritually speaking, we all have some friends in our lives that may not need physical help. But how many of them need some spiritual help? And I wonder I wonder if, if this dude's friends never cared about him. Because sometimes this is what we'll do. I believe in the sovereignty of God. But the sovereignty of God does not negate human responsibility. If these dudes didn't go pick up his friend and take them to Jesus, man, I wonder if his friend would have ever got up and walked. And I wonder who in our lives right now, that God's placed there, that's a friend, or that's a co-worker, or that's a family member, listen, that needs some spiritual healing, that needs someone that cares enough about them, man, to pick up the four corners of their bed and to take them to the feet of Jesus. I wonder who God's placed in your life that needs your help, needs my help. 
I wonder who right now in our lives is sitting there, maybe not paralyzed physically, but paralyzed spiritually, and just needs a friend that cares enough about them to say, hey, I can't help you, but I know one who can. Why don't you come to church with me? Or let me open the Bible. Let me show you a few things. You see, so often I think we look at the annoyances in life through other people as annoyances rather than opportunities to share the gospel. For instance, we all have people in our life that we're like, man, I wish they wouldn't talk that way. I wish they wouldn't go there. I wish they wouldn't do that. I wish they wouldn't waste their life in that way. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can be pretty judgmental. And we can worry about all these things they're doing. And those things that they're doing isn't the problem. <laughs> you know what the problem is? They've never been at the feet of Jesus. But what we try to do as good Baptists, as we try to get them to fit in our moral mold, listen, you could fit in some moral box and split hell wide open someday. They need an experience with Jesus. They need, to, they need to be at the feet of Jesus. And maybe, maybe the way that they'll get to the feet of Jesus is when, oh my goodness, when they have a friend that cares enough about them to help them get there. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing to go through your entire life, be in contact with the same person every single day, and, and end up in eternity, and they don't even know you went to church? They don't even know that God changed your life. Man, they don't even know that God's made a difference in your life. Listen, can I just encourage you this week? Maybe that person that, that, man, we don't agree with or that person that we argue with at work all the time or that family member that's away from God, maybe they just need somebody that says, you know what, I can't help you, I can't fix you, but I can take you to the one that can. Man, aren't you thankful that some of us had some friends like that? Shared the gospel with us? Showed us who Jesus really was? Men showed us about his grace. They cared about the condition of their friend. We must realize everyone will bow. That means your families. Listen, they're going to bow. Listen, your friends, they're going to bow at one point or another. Listen, our coworkers, our neighbors, John 4.35, Jesus said it this way, lift up your eyes and look on the fields because they are white, ready, to harvest. Listen, we must be people that care about the condition of those around us. Secondly, I noticed this. This is cool. They were willing to use whatever means necessary to help him get where he needed to be. You ever maybe invited somebody or maybe tried to witness to somebody and they're like, uh-uh, no. What if these guys would have just gave up? I mean, you get to the door and the place is packed. There's no parking spots. We're going to turn around and leave. Or, man, are we going to, you know, what, what, what if they would have went home? What if they wouldn't have, what if they wouldn't? Here's the thing. Many times, it, it, many times it takes a little bit of work. We like, easy, we like it easy, don't we? Is anybody else like this? Like if I'm this guy and Karen, wouldn't it be a lot easier just to go gone through the front door? <laughs> huh? Yeah. Heck yeah, it would have been easier just to go through the front yard, front door. But they were determined. Man, they, were, they, had, they had some determination in them. They were willing to do whatever it took. They didn't just give up when they got there and saw an obstacle. By the way, anything that's easy probably isn't worth anything. 
Man, these guys had to drag that dude up the stairs. They had to cut a hole in someone else's roof. Man, they could have quit at that front door. They could have quit at those windows. They could have quit at the back door. But they had some determination. Hey, we're getting this dude to Jesus. We're getting our friend to Jesus. We want to see Jesus change their life. Hey, nothing's going to get our way. If we've got to cut a stinking hole in the roof, we're getting them there. Man, they were going to do whatever they had to do. I had somebody one time uh, that would say, because we, we, we had coffee and donuts, you're bribing people to come to church. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Like anybody's going to come because we're giving away a free donut. Somebody help me. However, if that's all it took, we'd have donuts everywhere. Somebody help me this morning. Jesus did all kinds of stuff. Can I just say this? We've got to be determined. Man, we've got to be determined. We've got to decide that, man, we may bring them through the front door and can't get them in there. We may not be able to bring them out around the back door. We may get, but, man, we've got to figure out a way. We've got to be determined. We've got to have some, listen, we've got to have some grit and not quit. You know, that's our calling for all of us. Matthew 28, Jesus said this as he's getting ready to leave. This is what he said to us. This is what he said to his disciples. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them. To observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the word. Listen, for most of us, you know, we call that the Great Commission. And I've said this before, for most of us, and myself included a lot of times, that Great Commission can, can become the Great Omission. Man, and I just want to challenge you with this this morning. Man, are you willing to do whatever necessary to help get one of your friends to Jesus? You know, sometimes I can just be having a hard conversation with them. Sometimes it can be awkward, can it? Like, you don't want to just, I remember back in the day, some of y'all remember this, we used to ask people, hey, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven or hell? And then they're like looking for me to pull out a gun. So we, You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you do that, freak people out. But when you have the opportunity to have a conversation with someone, man, we talk about all kinds of things, don't we? We talk about hunting. I love talking about hunting. Talk about fishing. I love talking about fishing. Talk about politics. I love arguing with people about politics. Tell them where they're wrong. Tell them how the economy was way better four years ago. Somebody help me this morning. Sorry, I'm not going there today. I'm not going to go there. I promise myself I wouldn't. <laughs> Bob, I love you. But we talk about all these things. March Madness is going on. I think all the number ones are out. People are talking about that. And we talk about those things we like. Don't we? I mean, we do. I mean, first thing, uh, you know, we're going into turkey season. And my phone's been blowing up with people talking about turkeys. You know, and I love turkey season, praise God. When all hope is gone, deer season's gone, turkey season's coming, praise God. I love that stuff. That's good preaching, isn't it, Jason? But as much as, and think about this though, as much as we talk about all those things, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, whatever your buddies are into, man, how much do we, man, how many gospel conversations do we actually have? And it's more than just saying, hey, if you were to die right now, but maybe like, hey man, I know you're going through a lot of stuff, but I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you, dude. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. I used to, you know, some of you sitting in here, you used to be an addict and God gave you victory over it. That's a story that he's given you to share with someone else about how God's helped you through that. I mean, some of you had an anger problem, and I used to have a major anger problem. Anybody else like that? And the Lord had to give me victory over it. I mean, sharing those stories. I mean, we've been through some major suffering and pain in our family over the years, but God's given us grace and he's given us peace and he's given us love through those moments. I mean, we've watched multiple family members die of cancer. Sarah's uncle's in hospice right now. I mean, we've been through it so many times, but God's always given us peace. He's always given us grace. Those are stories that God has given us in order to minister to someone else. So this is all I want to ask you this morning. 
on this on this point. They were willing to use whatever means necessary. We've been given so many means today. Man, with with the with the social media, man, with with our with our phones, with our connections, with other people, all those type of things we should be using for God's glory to minister grace unto the people that God's placed in our lives. Man, people that, 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 you know, maybe put it this way. These men had to get in. There's people in your life right now that God's placed there that I can't reach, that Coleman can't reach necessarily, that Colin can't reach, that Matt can't reach. But guess who can reach them? You can. You know them. You're with them. You see them. They know you. So I just want to encourage you. You may not even have to get all crazy and cut a hole in somebody's roof. Maybe just talk to them. Maybe get wild. And just say, hey, I want to tell you about what Jesus has done for me. For some of us, that would be extreme. For some of us, that would be as extreme as cutting a hole in a roof, right? You know, nervous? Well, what if they reject me? I got some news for you. They ain't rejecting you. They ain't rejecting you. Our job, listen, is just to share. We don't save anybody. It's his job to save. It's our job just to We're not commanded to convince. We're not commanded to save. We are just commanded to share. So I want to just encourage you this week. Maybe somebody in your life, let me teach you some words. Hey, this is, let me just give you a little script here. Hey, would you go to church with me Sunday? No? Okay. <laughs> then next week, hey, would you go to church with me Sunday? No. <laughs> You know, eventually, you're going to hear a word that's going to blow your mind. Yes. But if I'm never asking the question, I'm never going to get the answer. I mean, if I'm never inviting, no one's ever going to come. I mean, there's people sitting in church this morning that, I, that I'm thinking of that I know for a fact my wife was out in public and just handed them a gospel tract. They're sitting here this morning. Just said, hey, would you come to church with me? Random person didn't even know, sitting here in church this morning. People will come. If we're not asking anybody, guess what? They ain't going to. Man, if we're not witnessing, we're not sharing, if we don't get deliberate about it, if we don't say, man, these obstacles, I'm overcoming them. Man, I've got to get my friends to Jesus because I know that Jesus can change their life. They were willing to use whatever means necessary to help them get where he needed to be. So I want you to just ask this question to yourself this morning. What are we doing to get, help get people to Jesus? Are we inviting? Are we witnessing? Are we sharing God's grace and God's love with people? One of the greatest joys of the Christian life it's just this. It's just to testify about what God's done in your life. You remember who you were before you got saved, before your life got changed by the grace of God? Man, do you remember that there was no peace, there was no hope? Man, you were on that, you were on a road that was headed to nowhere. And then God, man, he came into your life and he changed it and he gave us some hope and he gave us a new life and he made us a new creature. Man, it's awesome to think about. We should desire that for the people that God's placed in our lives. Thirdly, and this is it, this is what separates real faith and religion. Number three, write this one down if you're taking notes. They knew that Jesus was enough. They knew that Jesus was the answer. So here's the deal. Real faith, and y'all listen to me. In the South, we're all people of faith. You know, everybody's a Christian, right? Everybody talk to you. Yeah, I know Jesus, man. My grandma was a preacher for 20 years, you know. Right? Here's the difference. Real faith, James chapter number two, isn't just something we say. It's not just something we think. Because you agree with me most of the time. You agree with the word most of the time in your head. But that's not real faith. It's not just, something, it's just, not just enough to think it, know it. It's not just enough even to say it. True faith does this. 
it takes what we know here and what we know here and it moves us to act on it, to do something about it, man, to, to make a difference. Man, it's not enough just to, man, just thinking about it, just knowing it, just even believing it. No, it's got to move us to action. If we really believe that Jesus is the answer, man, it's easy to tell a friend. Man, if we really believe that Jesus can forgive sin, <laughs> man, it's, man, we're going to tell people. You know what evidence of the Holy Spirit feeling in your life is? Is the boldness to witness. You ever been in those moments where God says, hey, maybe invite that person to church. Maybe share the good news with that person. The good news of the gospel. Man, I've been in those moments, and sometimes I'm like, eh, I'm in a hurry. I'm too busy. I want to encourage you this week. When God does that, when God impresses on your heart, maybe stop. There is nothing in your life more important than sharing God's grace and God's love with someone that needs it. We're living in a world, y'all, that, listen, and I, I know I've preached hard recently on the things that's going on in the culture. But listen, you know what the hope for this culture is? It's when we share the glorious gospel and the good news. I mean, we can get people to live right. We can get people to believe what we believe about marriage. We can do all that, but that doesn't... Listen, the thing that changes people is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they need. They don't need another message on morality. They need a message that there's one that came and that died for their sins and that paid a price that they couldn't afford to pay and wants to reconcile them to the Father and wants to heal them spiritually. So here's my challenge for you this week. Who's your one right now in your life that God, you know God wants you to witness to? Who's the one right now that already in your mind God's laid on your heart that you need to invite to come to the church that will love them and that will help them and that will pray for them? Who is it right now that you know doesn't know the Lord and they're away from Him. Listen, I've seen God get a hold of people that I never dreamed He would get a hold of. And many times it was through a church member that just cared enough to invite and to pray and to love on. I'm thankful that He still changed His lives. I pray that we're a church. Listen, as people are drowning all around us, I pray that, pray that we're a church that's just throwing out ropes, just trying to bring people in. Not everyone, not everyone's going to come. Not everyone's going to get saved. Not everyone's going to trust Christ. But I promise you this, if we're believing and we're witnessing and we're praying, there's going to be some that are. Hey, there's going to be some that might just be at the end of their rope. And God might just use you this week to minister to them. Man, I want you to think about that as we go this morning. Let's stand at our feet. Matt's going to sing. The altar's open this morning. There'll be some counselors down front if you need prayer during the invitation or after the service. Matt's going to sing. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's sing this morning. Every day they pass me.